Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I wanna be a pasta maniac. You son of a bitch. Sorry, what was we gonna do here? <laughs> I am pasta shania. <laughs> we we're brothers in arms. <laughs> one of you can be rigatoni, yeah. one of you can be angel hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to episode 164. WCW Monday Night Nitro. Crazy. Monday Nitro. Here the, we are. The, the, the first one. The, exactly. in, in, the inaugural. I don't know if the word works, if it's every week. Yeah, it's still the first one, so yeah. it's the inaugural. Okay. The inaugural, the pilot, uh-huh. the premiere, the, I don't know, day one. Uh-huh. They, they, they smashed the champagne bottle on the back of the boat. Yes. Set it out to sea on the TBS Superstation, is it? TV, it's TBS. TNT. TNT my they bad. smashed the bottle over the back of Vader and set him out to sea. <laughs> Aw, we like Vader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was on back back to um, the castle, the White Castle of Fear. Parts unknown. Yeah, he shows shows back up with a suitcase of sliders. Somewhere in Denver. <laughs> so this episode would, as I've mentioned, is the very first episode of Monday Night Nitro, produced by WCW. It would take place on September 4th, 1995, at the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota. And it got a TV rating of 2.9. Now, I looked to kind of see like how that compared to Raw. Raw was actually off that week. Yeah, they, uh, what, they took the week off for the dog show or something yeah. like that? Oh, uh, Westminster. The yeah. Westminster dog show was going on. So, but it was right around the same as what Raw had been doing the week before, and yeah, they did about the same the week after. Perfect time to kick off a, a new wrestling show on the week where your only competition has the week off, and you happen to feature some of their old performers that yeah. might just pull some folks into your uh, your weekly broadcast. And stack it with basically big names. Yes, and... It was live, right? Or was it recorded? It was live. Yeah, so they also had that of Nitro being a was live always, wrestling show. Nitro was always recorded live. Well, I shouldn't say always, but I think ninety five percent. Yeah, whereas time, like yeah, Raw had its... Raw did tape did a live and then did a tape afterwards. So they filmed two episodes In one night. each week and they every other. And as we go through this journey And the show gets longer we'll, we'll find out that Nitro likes to give away the results because that's what they did. Mm-hmm. I hope that Shivani giving away Mick Foley's win still keeps him up at night once a year. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it does. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, guys, but I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, you at least know that. <laughs> yeah. I think you, yeah, you should because I think we've mentioned it a time or two. Yeah, Already. it was a big moment. I mean, it was a big moment in general, but a big moment for me because it was like probably at the height of my fandom. And I switched back between the two channels. I was a WWF guy, but I was a Mick Foley mankind guy. Was he well, was my guy? This is the first episode of Nitro. Yeah, that episode is where, in my opinion, WCW drops the ball, jumped the shark. Yeah. Oh really? Jumped the so shark. Like, what is that? Ninety-eight, two years ish before they fold. It's probably like 98 early 99. Week, it's the first week of 99. Okay, that checks out. Yep. Because we'll have three shows that all happen on the same day. <laughs> whenever we get there. Yay. Yeah, that's uh, it's called Wrestling History X. <laughs> but we are in Bloomington, Minnesota. We are. So Shane got a brand new place. I do. To find us some food. It's, this is a... Uh... It's kind of a big moment. It's it's been a while since I've had somewhere that I haven't got to go to yet. Yeah, I'm uh, sure there's not a whole lot of Minnesota wrestling shows. I mean, hey, figured maybe maybe be. it's the new Philly. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of your big wrestling history comes from Minnesota with you know your Minnesota Wrecking Crew and mm-hmm. AWA. Yeah, it's 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 wrestling country. 
So yeah, I hope we get to to go back, but just in case we don't, I, I went a little overboard on on this one because, you know, it is the inaugural Monday Nitro. I, I decided to have a twofer here. Uh, one representing the state of Minnesota and one representing Monday Night Raw. Uh, or I should say Monday Nitro because I just said the wrong <laughs> show name. I'm going to have to catch myself on that now. I haven't had to worry about saying a different Monday night show yet. So. Yeah, having to say Nitro. Um, but yeah, starting off with the official sandwich of Minnesota. They actually have two different offerings that you can choose from. I think there's a third one on there, but I wasn't going to go that far because hopefully we'll have more Minnesota shows and I can bring yeah, yeah. all of them on. Keep one in the back pocket. But this one was a whole lot easier to, uh, to make up than the others. The official burger of Minnesota is the Juicy Lucy. If you've never had a Juicy Lucy, it's basically a, uh, a reconstructed cheeseburger where your cheese is on the inside instead of on the outside. Stuffed between two beef patties where they uh, are pinched on the edges. Everything is sealed in tight and then you just grill it up and hope that you uh, cook it all the way without overcooking it or without all the cheese exploding out of it. These here I put on just a basic... If you like well-done burgers, Juicy Lucy's probably not your thing. No. Because you're never going to get it all the way cooked through. Yeah, no. me a little, yeah. Without, close, without close getting the, the cheese, yeah. like, yeah. dribbling out. out. But this one, I took a little bit of Worcestershire sauce, a little bit of uh, olive oil, some salt and pepper, a little bit of garlic, and uh, mixed it into the meat. Uh, the meat I used was an 80-20 because you want to have a, a nice little amount of fat in there because... Part of the name of the uh, sandwich is juicy, and your juice is going to come from the fat in the burger as well as the cheese. The uh, the little thing that I saw said that purists from the Minnesota area uh, like it with American cheese and just some bread and butter pickles, but it'd be good with some caramelized onions, throw some bacon on there, some jalapenos, oh, a little aioli. Yeah, fancy it up however you like. Yeah, but, but for a, a first time making one, not too damn bad. It actually has a, a nice little juicy ooze that I got a video of that we'll post on the uh, the Twitter pages to show everybody that not only can Yan cook, but Shane can cook too. Also, because we uh, have Monday Nitro premiering tonight and it takes place from the Mall of America, I figured I'd bring something that was mall inspired. And, There's you know, definitely not too many of those kind of shows. No. <laughs> this one also has a, a WCW tie-in because it is orange-flavored, and you know WCW uh, is all about the orange uh, at the moment. So I recreated the Orange Julius with some uh, orange juice concentrate, a little milk, a little water, some vanilla, and some ice cubes, and just blended it up until it was nice and frothy, and it's got this orange dreamsicle-type taste to it with... Uh, I've never actually had Orange Julius, so I don't really? know how to compare to it. Uh, this is probably better. I've only had Orange Julius once, but I had it in like... I think they use more of a yogurt base okay. rather than a milk base. But I had it once, and I didn't have it until like... There was probably like the last one in the country. It was like... In like, still it was, all over the place. Are they? I thought they were, I thought they were like dead. Well, they merged, or they got bought Dairy, out by Dairy, Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen bottom, so yeah. you can technically uh, like Orange Julius stuff at okay. Dairy Queen. Yeah, I got one in like an Oklahoma City mall, like... A decade ago, which is still 15 years past Orange Julius' prime, which is, you know, probably about 95. Great co- cookie company? Are they possibly. possibly in there, too, sometimes? at some In some malls. I mean, I know there's like, oh, what is that one? Auntie Annie's or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Maybe they, just, maybe they serve... Fake Orange Julius's. Ah. But it's like... <laughs> they can't use the name. They can't use the name, but... You know what it is. Just orange drink. Yep. I remember years back, well, actually around this same time in 95, 96, one of my managers at Blockbuster, all she would talk about was that little sparkling orange, orangina, oh. is what it was. Orangina. I used to always get the two of them confused, thinking that that's what she was talking about, and then I tried orangina, and I was like, all right, well, I don't understand what all the hype is about, but okay, cool. It's the got cool, a cute bottle. That's the cute thing about orangina, <laughs> which I've heard that they've changed the bottle, so now it's like, what is even special about this anymore? Yeah. Yeah, because the bottle, if I remember right, it was like just this sphere-shaped thing that looked uh-huh. like you were drinking out of an orange with a little spigot out of the top of it. Yeah, the bottle was really cool because, like, yeah, it's like without the bottle, what are we doing here? It's yeah, not we that got good. some uh, orange Julius. We got some juicy Lucy. I think 
Minnesota and Minneapolis. I guess I never really gave the history of the uh, Juicy Lucy either. No, the only thing we're missing is a J.C. Penny bag next to us. And like in a, a cigarette court. or something. <laughs> Smoke it in the mall. Greasy burger, <laughs> beverage. The the Orange Julius could easily be made alcoholic by adding a little vodka or rum or something to it. Like you can put anything in orange juice and you're good to go. Yep. <laughs> Juicy Lucy, again, it was uh, invented in a South Minneapolis bar sometime in the 50s. Depending on who you ask, it either started at the 5-8 Club, uh, where they served the Juicy Lucy, J-U-I-C-Y Lucy, uh, or Matt's Bar, where they make the Juicy Lucy, J-U-C-Y, and let the customers know that if it's spelled wrong, you're at the correct place. Um, I went more for the, uh, the Matt's Bar recipe because they stick to the... Simpler side of things, which is the American cheese and the pickles, apparently. But uh, I'd be down to, uh, to try the 5-8 Club, where they give you a, a variety of cheeses and other toppings that you can put on it. But either way, I'm going to have a bite right now, because I'm in front of a microphone and I have to. So here we go. Here's a fun uh, oh, fun note that I found about Orange Julius's. Mm. It was the official drink of the 1964 New York City's World's Fair. Oh, wow. Really? And wait, so it's the 1960, that old? The 1964 World's Fair is also where Walt Disney introduced It's a Small World mm. and Carousel of Progress. Well, ain't it a small world after all? <laughs> I didn't realize the Orange Julius went back that far. I, didn't I thought it was invented for malls. Yep. Because it was talking or, about it was I guess popular in the 70s and 80s. It was the official drink. Is that what I said? The, the official drink, drink. Yeah. Okay. So it might have came out before then, but either way, that's, you know. It's been in business since the late 1920s. Damn. It started in Los Angeles, California. Damn. Makes sense. Oranges. You go to California or Florida. Sunny D. You go to mm-hmm. California style, Florida style. Remember that stuff? Or you come to uh, WHX and we give it to you in Minnesota. Because, mm-hmm. you know, oranges are good everywhere, except for in my wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you guys been to the Mall of America? No. I have not yet. I drove by it and went, we should get... Yeah, I'm tired. I'm yeah, going to. Yeah. There's like a roller coaster in there, right? Like yeah. A Ferris wheel and shit. Yeah, it's it's a fun. I bet it's just park. I bet it's just empty now. They're like, oh, we have five Game Stops. <laughs> probably a Chick Fil A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of them. It's like, oh, well, we just have five of every store that still exists. Probably. Maybe maybe they have the the last Gadzoos. Uh, can you, you imagine the hot dragon that they shirts? have at the Mall of America? <laughs> oh, that it's would the, be great. It's old school uh, hot topic where. Like a '90s one where it's just a wall of like Cannibal Corpse T-shirts and it's scary. <laughs> I remember the first time dra- walking by this as a kid. It was like it just creeped me out because it was like now it's all just like nerd shit. But it used to just be Cannibal Corpse T-shirts in my memory, which is like ew, yep. gross. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. Well, something that would also happen right around the same time as this episode of Nitro, actually the very the previous day, so September third, Auction Web would be founded by Pierre Omadaire. And you're like, what the heck's Auction Lab? What I, the be- heck is Auction Lab? Before I even looked at the notes, I had, a, I had a guess, and it was right. And they sold, on Auction Lab, a broken laser pointer, and which began eBay. The Electronic Bay. Hmm. It, w- it finally changed names a couple years later, in 97. But Do we know how much this... Uh... The laser, laser pointer sold yeah. for it. It was like eighteen dollars or something like that. <laughs> Remember when laser pointers were a thing? Oh, their first sale. Most people can only hope for a dollar. They got uh-huh. eighteen. So I got my first laser pointer that I wanted I so bad at a um, uh, state fair. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. I just remember the way laser pointer craze and uh, wanting one so badly. And getting I I like, is oh, that no. the craziest thing you've ever bought on eBay? Oh no, I didn't get it eBay. I got that. There. Oh. Cra- I don't. I'm trying to think of what the first thing I bought on eBay was and. I want to say it was a green blind melon seven inch. <laughs> right. uh, but I could be wrong. If not, that's what, like the second or third thing. I have no idea what I've bought on eBay. Anything memorable at all? No, because I mean, it's if I did buy something on there, it would have been like a movie or a CD or something like that. But mm. I, it's been way too long since I've done anything on eBay that I have no clue. When I first got back into comics. You could literally go on there and search oh, lots, that's good. lots of stuff, and I literally bought like an entire run of Green Arrow comics. It's like one of the first things I ever remember buying off of there, and that started my 
collecting of comics again, which was <laughs> now just a wall full of stuff. Yeah, I was going to see if I opened my eBay app, if I could find out what the last thing I bought on eBay was. You've actually got the eBay app? That's mm-hmm. I used to have it, but I quit buying I stuff on there. The last thing I bought was a Lone Wolf and Cub board game <laughs> from like probably the 80s or 90s. It supposedly isn't very good, but there's not enough Lone Wolf and Cub merch out there. <laughs> and I found out that it existed, and I got it for $15 complete. So that was the last thing I bought on eBay, probably like six months ago or something. It was probably a comic of some sort for me. Yeah, Because yeah. that's usually one of the first places I look if I'm searching for a, like a specific thing that I can't... Mm-hmm. What's funny is mine, yeah, mine was very comic book related. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Very true. Well, let's get to Bloomington and talk some Nitro. Mm-hmm. We only got a couple of matches, but, uh, you know, these aren't, uh, uh, these, aren't, these aren't jobber matches. This is night one. The good old days when Monday night wrestling shows lasted a whole hour. One whole Best hour. hour of TV on <laughs> that there was. Before you had to come up with weird names like premium live events and, and whatnot, you just mm-hmm. had an awesome hour of Monday Night Wrestling. So we get flames making their way down a street as highlights of competitors are projected onto the buildings with explosions leading to the Nitro logo. Eric Bischoff then welcomes us to the show, and he is joined by Steve McMichael who we last saw at WrestleMania 11 in uh, Lawrence Taylor's Corner, episode 147. Bobby the Brain Heenan then interrupts when Mongo welcomes him with a shocking handshake. Oh, have they not learned their lessons with shocking debuts? (laughs) Oh, Mongo. I wish he would have fallen through a wall. Mongo is not the, like... Uh, husband of Deborah McMichael, right? Oh, he is. Oh, yes. he is. Yeah, it's it's not. Uh, just I was like, I was like, it's like, does that have to be the thing? Yeah. But uh, don't you worry, you'll you'll get to see old Deborah McMichael soon. Mongo, except for uh, his dog is cute. His dog is cute. He, he was, was holding a dog on the show for most know, of it. Yeah. Nice he's got like guy. a little little chihuahua or something. Like I just remember being annoyed by Mongo for most of the time that he's ever on Nitro. Spoiler, he's not great. He's, no, he's, he's not, not even good. <laughs> he's not even good. He's probably less obnoxious than the uh, shock jock radio guy from early Raws. Because that guy was trying too hard and bad. Bad. <laughs> yeah, and Mongo just is just just not good. But I don't think he's he's not he's not trying to do like you know bad open mic comedy. Rob Bartlett. Yeah, yeah. That's really nice pull, Shane. Good job. Working on my trivia. <laughs> you got that one for sure. Five points to Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever you, I'll give you a five-point head start just for that. <laughs> but we go straight to our first match. I feel like Michael's talked about this match enough times. I know. We probably can just skip it, right? <laughs> I mean, would you care to give us an introduction? Uh, Do you have some some history that you want to throw in there? I mean, not really. A little, I, little heart, heartfelt. Uh, just the beats, Jushin Thunderliger. See, he starts off Nitro mm-hmm. and becomes, at one point, the biggest weekly wrestling wrestling television yes. show. There's a whole uh, series, probably 10 hours of documentaries about this shit, uh, about the Monday Night Wars, and the return of Flying Fly Brian Pillman, who we haven't seen for a year. Yep, I uh, I didn't realize how much I missed Gary Michael Capetta announcing Flying Brian, because there's just something about hearing Flying Brian, <laughs> yeah. instead of Flying Brian Pillman. Uh-huh. I mean, Gary Michael Pettit is a legend. Yep. So the match gets going as Jushin flips away from a wrist lock, followed by nailing Pillman with a rolling kapoo kick to start. Flying Brian reverses an Irish whip to send Liger to a corner where he leaps up and over a charging Pillman, runs to the opposite corner, climbing to the top rope to deliver a moonsault press for a two count. Starting hot. Flying Brian comes back with a head scissors out of the corner, tries for another, but someone didn't get the memo. <laughs> Liger then trips up Pillman and applies the surfboard before going for a tilt-a-whirl slam, only for Flying Brian to turn it into another head scissors. Pillman charges at Jushin, who backbody drops him out to the floor, following out to hit another kapoo kick from the apron. Liger goes to bring Brian in the hard way, but Pillman reverses, sending Jushin crashing out to the floor. Oh my god. 
Flying Brian would then live up to his name, leaping off the top rope with a crossbody out to the floor. Back in the ring, Pillman heads up top again, only for Liger to shake the ropes, causing Flying Brian to crotch himself, allowing Jushin to hit a superplex for a near fall. Liger heads up top and he comes off with a crossbody, only for Pillman to hit a drop kick at the same time for the pin. No! Jushin kicks out. Flying Brian then sends Liger to the ropes, only to telegraph his back body drop, allowing Jushin to deliver a Liger bomb for a two count. Jushin then sets Pillman up on the top rope for a Hurakarana that gets a near fall, setting him up again, only for Flying Brian to fight back this time, grabbing Liger for a Tornado DDT for a two count. The two men begin to fight over a waist lock when Pillman would roll up Jushin for the pin and, and the win. win. Crazy fucking pin attempt. Just snuck that win up in there. Yeah. No, it was not the pin attempt. It's, it does this the trip flip, I guess, into the pin attempt. It's very, very unique. It was nice to see Brian back. I don't know if it was him or Liger, but those his Hurricane Ranos were not as clean as they'd been. Yeah. But also his injury was to his leg, yeah. uh, which was something I thought about because I didn't know that in times I'd seen this match before. And we all know that he came back too early, got into pills, unfortunately, uh, part of uh, his demise, unfortunately. So it kind of pulled at my heartstrings when I noticed those things in this match. And I was like, <laughs> no. Yeah. Ah, you know, it's always a good a good outing when the two of them are together. But yeah, it didn't it wasn't as amazing as some of their their past ones, but it was still a great way to kick off Nitro. Yeah, it's uh, got a safer best of the Super Juniors vibe. It's yeah. fast, doing lots of moves. It's a little bit shorter than a Juniors match, best of the Juniors match, and it's a little bit less wild. Still. More wild than most anything you're going to see on a WCW show at this point. Best wrestling you're probably ever going to see at any mall ever. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. I've seen wrestling in a mall. Didn't compare to that. (laughs) After the match, the two men shake hands and share some hugs out of respect for each other. We then go to the back and we see Sting, but then we go to commercial. And when we come back, the Stinger says, No one is better at walking that aisle. Or locking on the Scorpion Deathlock. We then get footage of Bischoff at Pasta Mania earlier in the day. The Hulkaroos and the Hulkies. Hogan signing autographs for the little Hulksters when Eric tries for an interview. And like Michael said, Hulk's been eating the Hulkaroos and Hulk Hulk <laughs> Hulk I looked up the. Uh... Like the menu to see if they were those were on the menu. I think maybe Hulkaroos. Or I was trying to figure out what the hell it was, but I had no such luck. I did uh, find a very funny. You can uh, see the you can see photo. the menu in the background. Yeah, but you can't. Yeah. Re- I mean, you can't read it like super well. But yeah, I did a little quick Google search, but I did find an Sorry. incredible photo that I sent you guys. Hulk Hogan <laughs> of deviant style art. Of SpaghettiOs, but with yeah. U's instead. Because oh, that makes sense. O's are trademark, maybe. I don't know. And there's a U in Hulk. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's an Owen Hogan. But with, <laughs> but with Pasta Mania running through the Hulkster's brain, he's carved who up. can beat him? Oh, he's carved up and ready to go, guys. Oh, yay. Uh, who, who knows? <laughs> who maybe, knows? Maybe someone will be able to beat him. Lord willing. Fingers crossed. Toes crossed. We then go to our second match. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, versus Sting. For the WCW United States Championship, we're loading this show up, guys. Damn right! Wow. This is a uh, this is uh, before Hogan was here. This is top of the card this kind was of match. WCW. Yeah, they, it was it was nice. <laughs> we like we liked it. This might be my favorite Ric Flair uh, robe because it's just burnt orange and it's. So bad and so good at the same time. Yeah. And then even... Uh, or just being celebrated, the <laughs> motherfucker... Here we go. Flair is going to do it. Well, Ric Flair, what we didn't know was that he was uh, sponsored by Orange Julius <laughs> for this showing. Uh, and Sting has maybe one of the craziest Sting ring like jackets I've seen. It's like I, all I purple I see it as Prince-inspired sequence. because, again, you're in Minnesota. Yes. Good point. Purple and gold. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's very, very flashy. It's very nice. Both, both these guys got... 
new gear just for this first night. They know what they're doing. So the two men are like standing in the ring. They're ready to go. When there's someone walking down the aisle. Who that? It's Lex Luger. He doesn't work there anymore. <laughs> and Lex just kind of stands there and stares at the ring until security takes him to the back. Yeah. It's like... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's our first invasion angle. <laughs> Ish, not really. Uh, so, Ric Flair just did that a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> literally, Lex Luger had worked a house show the previous day for WWF. Oh, wow. I think in Canada. And his contract ran out. And he flew to Minnesota. He's got friends there. And signed a contract. and He was a horse buddy. Yeah. And here he's, he is. He's, he's a, a friend of Sting, so... I think Sting pulled a, a lot of of everything to get, get him to buddy, come in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He didn't stab Arn Anderson. He can't be that bad at standings. So, as distracted as we are, Sting was even more distracted <laughs> by this. That's my friend. But he regains his focus in time to do a bunch of leapfrogs while Nate runs the ropes before hitting several press slams. The Stinger keeps up the attack with a hip toss and a drop kick to send Flair out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, the Nature Boy rakes the eyes and starts chopping away. Only for Sting to no-sell and deliver another press slam. I mean, he press slams the living shit out of Ric Flair in this match. I don't know if Ric Flair's ever been press slammed this many times in a match that we've even seen. He's already hit him with, like, at least three. They start running the ropes again when Nature hits a crossbody that sends both men over to the floor. 360. Where Flair rakes the eyes again, only to then run into another press slam from the Stinger that sends him back into the ring. <laughs> the spamming press slams. The Nature Boy is begging off, but Sting sends him to a corner, following in with a Stinger splash, only for Nate to avoid, which Sting was ready for. So he hits a face slam instead. The Stinger charges at Flair again, only to get an elbow to the face, which puts him on the mat. And sends us to commercial. But when we return, Nature Boy is still in control. When he heads to the top rope, only to be press slammed off by Sting. Is it the year of the press slam? It is for Sting, or apparently. Or just this match. I think Sting's also, it's like, well, he's finally in a match with somebody he can press slam. Instead of having to fight, like, Big Bubba for a decade. And it's like, well, he's going to hurt himself press slamming Big Bubba, but... Rick uh, was a little bit, a little bit smaller. Like he just, he just got Lex back. Maybe he's trying to, you know, throw uh. out the signal for Warrior. <laughs> Press slams are awesome, man. Look, look at these. Yeah, they look great. They look awesome. So if we haven't had enough of them, Sting does it one more time, <laughs> which brings out Arn Anderson to ringside whoa, as whoa. the Stinger misses a top rope splash. Nate hits a vertical suplex and starts to gloat, but Sting has no sold the move and hits multiple clotheslines before whipping the Nature Boy to the corner for a flare flip to the apron, where the Stinger delivers another clothesline. Sting with a tin count of mounted punches in the corner and a hip toss, before setting Nature on the turnbuckle, where the Stinger gets his eyes raked again. Back on the mat, the two fight over a hip toss, which transitions into a headlock takedown, into a head scissors, Bridging out, and Flair turns it over into a backslide for a two-count. The Stinger then sets the Nature Boy on the top rope to hit a superplex, but he turns his attention towards Double A, allowing Flair to chop-block Sting from behind to lock on the figure four with leverage. But the ref catches him. But Nature just don't care. Nope. As he won't let go of the ropes at the five-count. So the ref calls for the disqualification. Post-match, Arn Anderson jumps in the ring, breaking up the hold, before taking his windbreaker off to attack Flair before he escapes to the back. What are you doing, Arn? Double A turns and sees Sting in the ring, but he just goes to grab his windbreaker. All of a sudden, Scott Norton is then at the announce table yelling at Bischoff about having a contract and needing an opponent. And Flash gets in Mongo's face when Macho Man runs down to make the save. And the two men are jawing at each other and want to just go at it right then and there. But Eric and security stops them, saying the match isn't signed. 
You'll never work for WCW if you do this. But then Bischoff sends it to a video package. Sabu's coming to WCW, guys! Oh my god. He's had such a beautiful career to be had here. And we see highlights of him <laughs> doing some moves. Was there ever a sadder Sabu video package than what they showed here? Because it just, there was no... Well, it just didn't have the violence. He still had the high There's nothing extreme about it. I guess that's well, what's wrong. it wasn't any ECW highlights. It was literally some footage from some house shows, probably. Yeah, yeah it's but... just him doing a flip over the rope and landing a leg drop. Or, you but know... he still does like the springboard leg drop. It's still more exciting than a lot of stuff over here, but it's not the wild shit we've seen. Yeah. It does like the baseball slide. He, he looked too put together for it to be Sabu. There, he, has, much, he doesn't have much of a choice too here. much trick photography <laughs> so I'd also like to mention at this point that basically our wrestling portion of ECW aka Guerrero Benoit Malenko mm-hmm. they have all signed with WCW at this point so we won't see them in ECW anymore but they will start showing up on our WCW shows hopefully we do all know like I said, the spoiler alert, Sabu's not long for this world in any large company. I mean, I honestly think this might be the only time we we'll be will see it. Sabu on an easy on I mean, WCW show. Yeah. Even in, when he was signed to the WWF, he only did like a couple of house shows before he like had to break his contract or whatever. I mean, I know he's back in ECW for the end of like literally before the end of the year. Yeah. Before the end of the year. He may actually be on our next ECW show. He right? very well could be, yeah. As far as I know. That's why I was like, oh, yeah. I don't even recall him ever being signed to WCW. I'd heard that he had a WWF contract at one point, and I believe there was some sort of family emergency, but that could just be, who knows. Yeah. Like He's he's not going to fit in any of those places. He'd fit in in uh, WWF a few years from now. Yeah, but you got to be talented at that time. <sighs> Sabu is uh, ever the sloppy boy. <laughs> that is true. I mean, even old uh, Too Cold Scorpio during his WWE run was just a quote-unquote flash in the pan. Yeah. And he's a guy that's uh, hit or miss for sure, too. I was wrong. We will yeah. see a Sabu match in WCW. Ooh. Is he going to be on Halloween Havoc? Ooh, that's exciting. It sounds like a Sabu show. I hope it's against Brian Pillman. It's not, but it's someone almost as good. Okay, cool. I don't know. <laughs> we then come back from a commercial, and Mean Gene's in the ring, and he congratulates Mike Hill from Coleman, Alabama, for winning the WCW Harley Davidson sweepstakes. So if you didn't know Eric Bischoff had a handle of this by now, you know for sure at this point. Okerlund then throws it back to Eric, who talks about WCW Saturday Night and all of the great matches we could have seen there, before sending it to another video package. And we'll get Michael Wall Street on Nitro next week, guys. Oh my hey, god! Look who's back. I know. Yes, the former IRS is now basically a million dollar man here in WCW. And he was also Michael Wall Street before that, that. <laughs> yeah he was but yeah the, but his gimmicks, gimmicks kind of it is changed no it's different here yes. he's basically doing he it. went from being vince mcmahon yeah to being the million, million dollar, dollar man, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh like i said always good to see the guy we all know he's a good worker with weird gimmick i did like his line where he called the new generation the few generation yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what you're good. saying is they didn't have a place for you over there anymore, IRS. Yeah, like, oh, you were on WrestleMania 1? Bye. See ya. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was pretty solid uh, mid-card for quite a while there as IRS. Just oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's great in the I role. Am, I am not hating on Micro. No, no, you, can, you can't. I would argue that you, I always wanted you more can't. for Rotunda. Yeah, we all definitely do. He's a better worker than the things he's been given, but at least he's had a solid paycheck and Absolutely. never been the bottom but he was never going to be the fucking champion either so what else can you ask for we then go to our third match big bubba rogers versus hulk hogan with jimmy hart for the wcw world heavyweight championship how do you bring in viewers on a brand new show you give them a match that wwf did six years before (laughs) (laughs) Woo! i mean he's got a different i mean here's the thing yeah. Like, I'll probably mention this later. 
they put guys that people know. Know. I know. And even if people it aren't familiar sense. with um, aren't familiar with Liger, uh, he's impressive and an impressive thing to look at. Does cool stuff that you don't see regularly, and they put him in there with a guy that people do know. It's his comeback match, and oh, yeah. this is the like, you know. No, so. I I will watch Liger and Pillman all day every day, yeah. as well as Sting and Flair. But we've just got the. <laughs> Awful combination of two of my least favorites yeah, as I, the main event. And I understand. Like, womp, womp. Thank you for front-loading the show, though. <laughs> I totally understand it. So but. before the match gets going, Eric tells us that Savage and Norton are now signed for next week on Nitro as Rogers begins to work a headlock before Hulk fights his way out with a shoulder block. Dig it. Bubba retaliates with a cheap shot and avalanches Hogan in the corner while the brain tries to educate Mongo about Rogers. When Michael calls him a brawler, and that Hulk is too much of a technician for him. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I know. I I giggled too. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, comparatively, when when you see Mongo wrestle, yes, he will be too much of a technician for him. <laughs> Hogan recovers to hit multiple turnbuckle smashes, but then walks into a thumb to the eyes allowing Bubba to hit a backbreaker. Roger charges into a corner, receiving several boots to the face, but doesn't fall down, until the Hulkster just pushes him over. Timber. Hogan with some ground and pound, until the ref pulls him off for using his fists, which distracts Hulk, allowing Big Bubba to hit an uppercut and a body guillotine across the ropes. Let this be a lesson, Hulk. No fisting. <laughs> Rogers then slides out to the floor, talking trash to Jimmy Hart, grabbing him, and rears back to Nelly. But Hogan blocks the blow and throws right hands of his own. Back in the ring, Hulk then wraps Hart's suit jacket around Bubba's head while Jimmy distracts the ref before hitting a 10 count of mounted punches in the corner. A running clothesline and a body slam by Hogan before dropping several elbow drops and a boot rake. Ah, uh, a boot rake. I love Mongo uh, asks Bobby Heenan if this is the best wrestling he's ever seen. And Bobby Heenan says, you've never been out with uh, the Kowalski twins, have you? It's like, <laughs> not even sure what that means, been out with them? Like, I guess, I guess, I guess by that he means managing. Uh, I was thinking, like, to the bar, and I was like, maybe that's what he meant? It could have been both. Is this around it the same time? Could also? have been either. Yeah, Bobby has a thing that he does so well, where he can say anything and it can mean anything, and you're fine with how nonsensical it is. I just can't remember where it was exactly, but there was a spot where the referee jumps on Hogan's back and like oh. pulls him by the hair off of him for punching. Oh, that's the. Is that the mounted punches? After the okay. ground and pound mounted punch, Joe. Okay. Rogers recovers with an uppercut and continues with more knees to the gut as well before hitting a body slam and a turnbuckle smash. Big Bubba then charges into the corner only for the Hulkster to move, causing Rogers to run straight into the turnbuckles. Hogan goes to get some momentum off the ropes only to run right into a Bubba slam for the pin and no, Hulk kicks out. Rogers is throwing right hands and it's Hulk up time. Shake your head, everybody. Finger point. Stop. Right hands. Big boot. Yeah. Leg drop. Pin. And the win. And I'm spent. Post-match. <laughs> the Dungeon of Doom run down and begin to attack Hogan. But Luger runs down to make the save. Once the ring is cleared, Lex and Hulk back into one another. Spin around and look to punch each other. Hogan not knowing if he can trust Luger. Mm -hmm. They start jawing at each other when Sting and Savage make their way down to separate them. Why don't you go back to where you come from? And we go to commercial where we get a fall brawl ad. Well, but when we come back, Mean Gene has joined everybody in the ring. Where Lex says he is here to win the world title. And that he is sick and tired of playing with kids. He's here to get it on with the big boys. The Hulkster makes a deal to wrestle him next week on Nitro with a handshake. But then they just start shoving each other. 
We then go back to our announce crew where they talk about what will be on the show next week before Bischoff says his goodbyes. And we fade to black. My favorite line, maybe of this whole show, Hogan says, like, I'm the champion, and that's the way it's going to stay forever and a day. And I was just like, <laughs> fucking tell me about it. <laughs> I was like, like yeah. Yeah. you spoiled the whole book. You spoiled booking for the next three years. Um, I like the whole... <laughs> go back to where you come from because as I'm watching his mouth saying the words and like he kind of technically did go back to where I came from <laughs> yeah no shit he was here first Hogan also why don't you go back to whatever that stupid show was that you were doing before <laughs> Thunder in Paradise Thunder in Paradise Mongo has his little dog and is dressed up like Satan yeah and uh, Bobby Heenan asks if uh, he was in the movie Ben which I thought was very funny <laughs> he's calling his little dog a rat but anyway so I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Nitro number one? A worthwhile 45 minutes. Yes. It's crazy, a crazy looking venue. There's two fun matches. You'll never see Ric Flair maybe thrown around as much as you do here. Sting really just press slams them like eight times. I was very, very surprised. But just the weird energy and look of the show alone is worth it. And then... At least they're all top guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, Luger, Norton, which I'm sure he's not very well known uh, at this point in the United States. Probably not. I, I'm sure he probably just came over with Liger. And they're like, oh, we'll come over with Liger, stay for a week, we'll give you a match, give you a payday, and you can help hmm. Liger navigate the U.S. Norton sticks around for oh, does he? quite some time. Yeah. Okay. You got fire and ice or something like yeah. that. A team coming down the line here. Um, I'm all yeah. down for a big beefy tag team. Let's see what's up. The uh, yeah, this was mostly a good show. Uh, I already bitched and moaned about how I'm not a fan of Hogan or Big Bubba, but I mean, there's they, even their match. It it set the the groundwork for what's to come in the future. As far as you know, you've got the the surprise of Lex, the surprise of Norton, the will they, won't they turn on each other aspect of Hogan and and Lex. And you can't have Vader Hogan again. I mean, I guess you could, but like you shouldn't waste that here. Let it be Big Bubba. I mean, you've got Sting and Luger who technically have some unfinished business too because Luger Vader just up never and ran. shows up on an episode of Nitro. Hell yeah! The only time he's in the clips at the very beginning of the show, and that's the only yep, it's the only time he shows up on a right. nitro. Really? Because like yeah, he was on I guess some Saturday nights he for his works last for the enemy. Yeah, for his last uh, big feud Appearance. or whatever, where they were where they were showing him destroy people. But uh, yeah, that's funny that he never was on a nitro. Did not know that. My opinion: I think this is a fantastic hour of wrestling. Yep, we get a high paced match, which gets us locked and loaded into the show and then every single one of the most recognizable names in the company appear yeah even Savage appears he's not in a match but he, he shows up yeah Lex who's Lex not in a match he shows up and that's a big talking point like if there was an IWC back then Twitter was around back then that's like everyone's freaking out yeah and then I mean it. you know and everybody was freaking out about it Without that stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember and, watching... Uh, yeah, Arn, Arn turns on Rick. Huge. Yeah. I remember watching the the premiere episode and doing that same... What the fuck is he doing there? But, yeah, they, basically, but they basically announced in this show, there's a... For week two, there's a Hogan-Luger match. Huge. A Savage-Norton match. Sabu is debuting. Michael Wall Street's debuting. I'm like... I'm ready to watch the second episode right now. Yeah, let's yeah. put it on. Let's, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's like, the, yeah, definitely an, an incredible uh, pilot, if you will. <laughs> like, you know. I mean, it, if I was watching this back back then, it would have hooked me. Well, I mean, yeah, think about and like your Raws, uh, where they, there's a lot of, there's like one quote unquote match. real match, and then there's uh, like two Jobbers. job matches. So, like, there's not a jobber in sight here. Nope. Not at all. Mm mm. They're all Hall of Famers one way or another. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. 
So what are some of the best moments of this show? Hmm. That was so nice to see Pillman back. Like I said, there's not really anything that I don't like about it. I was serious. Still, I've said it a million times. Flabbergasted by all the press slams. <laughs> Rick's just like, oh, just, just keep tossing me on my old hip. And he's not even quote-unquote old here. 95. Yep. And still been wrestling for 20 years. Yeah, I mean... The all, all the show itself is is kind of the best moment just because it kept the exciting pace throughout the entire deal yeah it's it's hard to to pinpoint a, an exact favorite I mean one of my favorite moments I mean it's a Pillman speciality but the drop kick to yeah. someone coming off the top rope it's, yeah it's, it's so good. always a good moment and he does it like I don't know that we've seen him really miss it yeah exactly. like he always gets the it's always either tight or maybe even real, <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a great spot, and especially for a guy named Flying Brian. He's gonna wrestle other guys that are jumping around. So like, how do you how do you get him out of the air? Your damn feet. How about most disappointing? It's it's a small thing for me, but that there was no tag team. Oh yeah. Anything really? Just, just couldn't fit on it the, in on the premiere episode. Considering where our WCW tag team, yeah, uh, scene is, I'm probably okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I wouldn't take it over. Like even if I'm not the biggest fan of Hogan or Bubba, like putting the title match, putting a title I mean, match if, on if, the end of the if show. If they had done a tag team, it probably would have been a Hogan Savage versus. True. Big Bubba and someone. Oh, you know, yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Which, yeah, I wouldn't have hated that either. But it's like, yeah, you want to put the title on for your first show, exactly. probably. Exactly. I guess Mick Michael is probably my biggest disappointment because he added, <laughs> added nothing to the show. There's, You don't need a three-man booth when one of them is Bobby Heenan. And when your show is 45 minutes. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why Mick Michael was added to this crew. Like, did he have dirt on Eric Bischoff or something? Was to, he like, a famous... Like I know he did obviously doesn't. He was play an NFL for, player. So yeah, he doesn't he, play anymore. He, but he was at Mania 11, so technically he was in the main event of WrestleMania. But does he um, have like a like? He's not like a Brian Bosworth where he's like some crazy like tabloid guy or whatever. He's just Mongo no. McMichael. He's not. He's not like a bigger than life like football I mean, he personality. Was in the, you've probably seen the the Chicago Shuffle, the Bears. Uh huh. Bear shuffle Super thing. Bowl shuffle. He he was on that team. Yeah, so he's a moderately recognizable name, but yeah. he's not like fucking Dennis Rodman or like he does. He's not a a. He's like, not a William uh, the Refrigerator Perry. Yeah, he's not like somebody that you like. Your like if your mom's not a football play, football fan, like not at least a name that she would recognize. Not that kind of famous. No. One of the most disappointing things for me was actually the Arn Anderson stuff. I actually had to look it up to like figure out what like we'll see spoiler we'll see more about it at fall brawl yeah that's but, why i didn't worry about it but i was like i don't like, know exactly what's going on they probably should have even just a line or two during the flare sting match or like as soon as Arn anderson comes out like throw a line in there being like you know there's, there's been some tension between flair and Arn anderson like that one little line would have made the entire thing like contextualized yeah the yeah. entire thing i like, mean it kind of makes sense for arn to come out because it almost because it almost feels like he's been getting his ass kicked this whole match it was supposed to be like a surprise that arn anderson but at this point they already had been having issues and it started with i mean you might remember flair and arn anderson facing vader mm-hmm. like that whole thing that yeah. happened we saw we didn't watch the Clash of the Champions match where they, they teamed up to face Vader. And that's kind of where the tension started yeah. happening was that match. Arn took the pin and then and or Arn got pinned, I should say, yeah. and then Flair. Flair got yeah, it's all pissy. Like literally they just they could have contextualized it with like one line. Yeah, and with all the packages here that could have just been of ten seconds too. Yeah. Instead yeah. of going well, is Pasta Mania in the Mall America? Yes. Okay. I don't even know if it's... Because like, like, they like, could have skipped I guess the Pasta just, Mania segment. But it's just literally it's just one of those, blood. like, if I haven't been watching WCW, but I know who Arn Anderson and Flair are, they've always been they've always been buddies. Yeah. Is this supposed to be a surprise turn? But it doesn't 
it doesn't feel like that at all. It doesn't feel like that, but back then in that time, because of the limited programming that you had, it would make you tune in the next week to figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, but even like Tony Giovanni could have said something and then Bobby Heenan could have sided with one of them and it would have taken no time at all. But if Tony Giovanni said, had said something on the show, I would have been surprised. Since that's a good there. point. It's not Tony Giovanni. <laughs> yeah, I wish it I, I guess I would prefer Tony Giovanni over, um, over Eric Bischoff. Over Eric Bischoff, yeah, yeah, most people would. I think so. I mean, neither, Tony Giovanni, we uh, love him because he's Tony Giovanni, but one of the greatest announcers, I don't think I'd put him up there. Like, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's, he's quality. Not great. He's yeah. uh, he's like comfort food. He's like he's be he's he doesn't. I don't think he ever took the time to learn the moves. <laughs> it's like yeah, but uh, he's well, fun with Bobby. He came from all a place where you had a guy in the back that was just yelling the stuff in your ear. <laughs> you didn't have to think about the moves because yeah. you know old Vin Man was telling you what to say. We can't all be uh, Jim Ross. Mm-mm. How about best performer of the night? That's a tough one. Liger for giving Pillman some guff on one of the Hurricane Ranas. Sting for the 70 million press slams. Honestly, Sting looked like a fucking world beater out there. (laughs) I was going to say Sting alone just because of his purple and gold getup. Yeah. I mean, it was basically all eyes on me. All the gear in that match. So good. I loved it so much. I mean, yeah, Pillman Liger is the best match. Sting and Rick is just. I'll watch any match with Sting and Ric Flair against each other. And this one was interesting because it really wasn't all that competitive and Rick really had to go full shitty yeah. Rick. I mean, there's Pee Wee Anderson for his pulling Hogan by the hair off of Boss Man. Oh, let's give it to him because I remember fun. that did blow that my fun. mind. I was like, <laughs> what is he doing grabbing Hulk like that? Maybe he got tired of Hulk Hogan biting people's nose and breaking their back and... <laughs> Whatever, and like maybe he's just mad that Hogan doesn't care or care enough about wrestling to understand that heels are the ones with managers and that faces shouldn't be using managers like they're a heel. Yeah. But what does Hogan give a fuck? He doesn't. How about most surprising? I mean, it's Lex Luger because he's the big surprise and he's what everybody would have been talking about yeah I mean honestly IRS because I remembered uh, the Lex Luger thing I didn't remember the but I mean you know uh, I didn't remember I mean I guess IRS. I would probably say Sabu because I didn't I, honestly yeah there you go right there I, I already mean, forgot Sa- about it Sabu literally was. I, yeah. I knew he was in WCW but I didn't think it was at this point yeah you thought maybe Nitro in 94 or I figured it was later yeah and of all the people that you said that they just signed they're like oh well, we'll go with the guy that's the craziest first, and then they could have, because he's the most visually like intriguing of the uh, Guerreros, Malinkos, Benoits. Yeah. Like Sabu's got big long hair. He does crazier shit, and he's got big puffy pants. Like he's got scars on him. Like he's way more I mean, Aladdin, intriguing looking. Aladdin was big at this time. Oh so yeah, I mean you got know those genie pants going. I had uh, plenty of Aladdin toys. I had a really cool po- Aladdin poster in my room. <laughs> no surprising. What did you what? say? What did you say to me? What? <laughs> I think you told me to take my clothes off. What? There's something be- in double beating in a movie? I don't oh, think. is that a thing from Aladdin? Yeah. Uh, when does it ha- when do they say it? It's uh, I when remember Aladdin here. drops off Jasmine back at the oh. palace. It's either when they leave or when they come back. Of the uh, magic carpet, right? Yeah, like you hear this, kids take their clothes off. Oh. I know the, the boner from The Little Mermaid, which I think... Oh, their kids take off their pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the layup. Like, once once you like once you know what they say and you, you like, hear it, you just That's funny. never un- <laughs> don't hear it. And then the penis on the cover of The, um, the Castle. And yeah. uh, somebody said sex in the clouds, but I've never seen it. There's one that I know is absolutely real. Oh, in The Lion King, yeah. No, uh, there's another one that's in, I think, the first Rescuers movie, or maybe the second one. There is a one single uh, frame of pornography in a window, and they're, like, going by it really fast, uh, that somebody, like, snuck in there. But I'm sure that was on VHS, so it's, like, basically impossible to see. And nowadays... They're, if they've even 
bother putting that movie in HD or 4K. Don't, don't I'm sure any, that they cleaned it up. Don't don't put anything against us or you know, take anything away from us that, that grew up in the VHS generation because <laughs> you could see anything and everything you wanted to back then with the the right pausing and okay. slow forwarding. Yeah, VHS, uh, it looks bad. Have you ever tried to <laughs> hook up a VCR in the last couple of years and uh-huh. throw a movie in? Oh, yeah. It's just like, oh, Jesus. How did we even... How could we even tell what was going on? Pan and scan. <laughs> and now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. The Undertaker had won the WWF Heavyweight Championship six days prior with the help of the nature boy Ric Flair. So at this Tuesday in Texas on December 3rd, 1991... Hulk Hogan would get a rematch with President Jack Tunney at ringside to ensure there would be no outside interference. Hogan would take the attack to the dead man to no avail, which led the taker taking control after running the Hulkster into a ring post. Hogan began to make a comeback which brought Flair to ringside, where he was confronted by Tunney. Hulk also decided to go after the nature boy, giving him a chair shot across the back that would send Flair into the president to knock him down. With Tunney down, the Nature Boy would look to help the Undertaker, but Hogan was able to reverse, sending the dead man into a chair held by Flair. Taker would recover to grab the Hulkster, allowing Paul Bearer to hit him with the urn, but Hogan ducked, causing the Undertaker to be struck. Hulk would then take the urn, grab out a handful of ashes, which he would then throw into the dead man's eyes. While this was happening, Flair had revived Jack Tunney, allowing him to see everything that was occurring inside the ring, including Hogan making the pin to become the WWF heavyweight champion for the fourth time. But a few days later, Tunney would strip him of the title due to the controversy surrounding both of the previous title changes, leading to the biggest championship match in its history. This Tuesday in Texas? This Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> this Tuesday uh, in Texas. I was so tempted cool to do it, it while you were reading. <laughs> my my first episodes are now part of the uh, the little history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. I It's full so, circle. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was this Tuesday in Texas good? It was okay. Yeah, I'm sure it was fine. I mean, all of everything that like that's all fun, exciting WWF for type a random pay per view on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is basically just rematches of the of the Survivor show, of the Survivor ninety one too. So it's like previous early, early Taker. He's still he's still scary. Yeah. He's I mean, not forced into being a face at this point. Yeah. It was like a Saturday night's main event that you paid for. Uh huh. Yeah, a clash of champions. Yeah. Next week, Fall Brawl nineteen ninety five War Game. The brawl to fall them all. <laughs> yes, it is War Games, so I'm sure we'll see eight men and two cages, or one cage over two rings. A team of guys fighting against muscular dystrophy. Mm, yes, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Weirdest <laughs> promo or whatever video ever. Four wrestlers I team mean, up to take on. Muscular dystrophy. It's a good cause, but it's uh, a weird way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Music from this week's show is the Monday Night Nitro theme song. And Hogan won our main event, so we play his theme song, God American damn. Made by Jimmy Hart. Old Jimothy Hart. Hmm. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns... Recipes. We're going to where? North Carolina next? That's right. Hey. Gonna raise up. We've, we've, we've only been there a couple times, so if you've got some ideas, slide into them DMs and uh, let me know. A flair country. I wonder if flair has a cocktail. <laughs> I don't think flair cares what he drinks. <laughs> That's just like... <laughs> he My does have a cocktail. It's in the front of his has it's in the front of his of accessories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's famously uh, hogged up. <laughs> but you can email those at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistoryx. 
That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O. X. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, I hate this song. Laters. Fuck you, Terry.